to fly in ultralight in Spain, we have a lot of freedom. We can fly almost everywhere except in control areas. But we have a very specific Spanish rule that it's pretty crazy that says that we can't not fly over 1,000 feet from the ground. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Like it. Perfect. They are all the time saying they are going to change it because this is against safety, of course. But the thing is that it's still on. And talking about... This uh, is, sorry, this is the reason that our, our company, oh, our, yeah. our name company is Amil Pies. Ah. Amil Pies means... 1,000 yeah, feet. Yeah, 1,000 feet, true. <laughs> ah. Yeah. <laughs> Bien. Estamos de vuelta aquí. Estamos de vuelta el store collective, amigos. And I will stop trying to pretend I can speak Spanish now. <laughs> TSC episode number eight. Welcome back, everybody. I'm your host, Maxime Compagnon. Thank you very much for your kind message uh, after the last episode with Marius. It really helps me. And as usual, you can check our Instagram account and write me a private message, or you can also shoot me an email at contact at thestorecollective.com Email. Well, uh, I'm quite happy because I actually received the very first one from a uh, young lad from Italy. So, Enrico, thank you very much for your email. And in his email, Enrico, who just got his ultralight pilot license, is asking uh, more or less he has an idea and I'm reading uh, his question he's asking why don't you record an episode talking about the tools of the trade I mean what do you usually bring with you when you're flying back country tools clothes camping stuff now um, the concept of uh, these tall collective is more to listen to our friends in Europe, flying back country, are doing. Not what I am doing, but uh, if it interests some of you guys, well, I, I could start uh, or make a small episode about something like that. I wanted to, to record, I still want to record an episode about safety gear, especially about helmets. We quickly talked about that uh, with Marius last time. But uh, to answer your question, Enrico, quick answer right now. Uh, it, there is one device I would recommend any pilots and any of my friends is just a PLB. So a personal location beacon. Um, they really reduced in size and weight really a lot for the past years. And in my opinion is probably the best thing you can buy as a safety gear and bring with you. There are plenty of them. You can find YouTube videos about that. 
The second point is, I would say, it depends on the mission, it depends where you fly. Um, but one important thing I would like to show to everybody is, or highlight to everybody is, guys, if you fly, try to wear something not made out of plastic. Um, I try my best never to wear acrylic clothes when I'm flying uh, just because in case of a crash uh, if there is a fire then well like if you wear 100% cotton yes it might burn but it will not melt on your skin and um, I'm a motorbike driver I obviously work for a motorbike company and we are very let's say we give a lot of importance to safety clothing when we ride our bikes it's mandatory and yes like you don't want to have plastic melted on your skin so uh, that's very important in my opinion now another comment the covid impacted all life all of us and um, we have some friends who are really more impacted than others and I'm especially thinking about our friend Craig Lang from South Africa I've been flying with him back in 2018 and he's offering awesome bush flying safaris in South Africa so Craig will start really awesome safaris this year and I really hope it will be possible for him to do these safaris to have clients coming from Europe so if you don't know him check out our episode number three I think and if your country allows it if you have the possibility book a safari and have uh, an experience of a lifetime with him so but now it's time to jump to our episode number eight. It's a very, very special one for me because seven years ago when I started to search for an airplane, I, yeah, I uh, stumbled upon a picture from Arturo and uh, that was the spark in the fire so let's start well we have now a special guest yeah, special very special because it's not only one but we have two guests <laughs> Arturo and Elisa Poroena. Hola. Hola, ¿qué tal? Hola, Maxim. <laughs> yeah, I'm so glad to have you. It's nice. <laughs> um, we are ready to be here too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we will. I will soon visit you. I'm sure. Yeah. Maybe, maybe next next uh, fall. That would be cool. Cool. When you cool. will be back from from uh -huh. Alaska. Yeah, October is uh, super nice. Yeah. Uh, 
month here in yeah. in our place. Yeah. So, and but have you here. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Show you the backgrounds. <laughs> So, but we will come back to that. Uh, first, um, I, it's the usual question. I have to ask you where you're from and what you do and how you came to aviation and especially backcountry aviation. Well, uh, obviously we are from uh, Spain. <laughs> we live in Aragon. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a beautiful area, and especially in our area in the south of Aragon, uh, Teruel is a very unpopulated area. And yeah, uh, I. Pretty much I was involved in, in uh, aviation or around aviation all my life. Mm -hmm. My grandpa was a pilot in the, in the Civil War. So I spent, when I was 10 years old, I spent a lot of time with my grandpa. So I don't know. So uh, when I was 16, I started to fly hang gliders. When I was 22, I was already pilot, and, ultralight pilot. Uh, an ultralight pilot. And as soon as I started to, to fly like an ultralight pilot, uh, in only one year, I was instructor and I was start teaching people, you know, so. And was it in Teruel already? Or in no, Aragon? it was uh, kind of between Teruel and Zaragoza, uh -huh. yeah. Interrail was not any any ultralight base, so we built uh, the first uh, ultralight base in Teruel, mm -hmm. where where we live right now. Now we are we live in the in the in the airfield in the base. So we have a house close to the runway. Wow! Um, Dream come true. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so yeah, pretty much. All my life was around airplanes and aviation and stuff. Wow. And then, well, I start to fly also after finishing at university. I wanted to be a pilot, but of course that was very expensive. So I decided to try the hang glider and that's where I met Arturo. And then we start to fly in trikes in the beginning, the ultralight trikes. And then we were progressing. I also became an instructor and then we both started the private pilot uh, training in Valencia. We were flying airplanes there. And um, well, uh, I think it was like 11 years ago. Well, a little bit more. <laughs> when we start to fly maybe 15 years ago, the Savage. So we start to dream about or more. maybe more. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, from the very beginning, right? Because it's, yeah. I think very beginning, two thousand three, four, something like that. Because I think the first model came out in two thousand two, or maybe uh, I, yeah. I remember yeah, we saw the Savage in uh, Friedrichshafen, mm -hmm. and we that's where we met Tom and Hilde, mm -hmm. good friends that we say hello from here. <laughs> <laughs> And then we start to dream about going maybe one day to fly to Alaska. And eventually that's where we did. And 
although we had already started to do some kind of bush flying here. Uh, but yeah. learning by your own, Arthur can say, is very expensive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but was kind of, you know, was kind of the bush flying came after at least five or six years flying and doing mountain flying mm -hmm. and do That's some true. trainings with uh, skis mm -hmm. in trikes wow. in, uh, in, in the Alps. And I was doing some flying here in a ski resort with a, with a trike, mm -hmm. doing like a touristic flight. was not, you know, was kind of a experiment. <laughs> <laughs> But it was pretty fun <laughs> and a little bit expensive too. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, you were supposed to earn uh, your life with that, right? Yeah. <laughs> and we we did a lot of uh, mountain flying and every pretty much every summer we, we flew to, to the Alps to the Alps to do alti surface, uh, alti ports, and after that, you know, we start mm -hmm. to to. To fly in tail draggers and and stuff, so oh. and the and the backcountry flying, but the you know all the people now talk about backcountry flying, but the back you know it's kind of the mix, you know, the mountain flying, the all the experience yeah. and everything, you know. Mm -hmm. So it's like a put everything together mm -hmm. and do like a off airport landing or or even. Even uh, is uh, especially is in France in the in the mountains in the Pyrenees or in the Alps, it's a uh, some uh, alti surface or or small runways are a little bit tricky yeah. to land. So you know people think oh it's all fair for all fair for landings. We live in Europe, and it's not easy, you know. So every country is different. But you need a special permit to the owner or something, or even in, for example, in your country, it's impossible. Even to land in in Tom Base, don't yeah. need to be there. Yeah, you know, to land. So this might I, change. This might change. Oh, we no. hope. We hope. Maybe Plus. next 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 year it might change. That would be nice. great. Nice. Very crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. kind of crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, the rules uh, sometimes are crazy. Mm. Yeah. yeah, that's that's why that's why I want to make the podcast and have all our friends or people from all over Europe, like you, explaining. We will talk about that later. I will ask you, but about the mm -hmm. rules in their own countries, and mm -hmm. this is the target because, like you know, we will have Marius in, like we had in the previous podcast in Romania. So he was explaining what's possible to do in Romania and he will for sure be very interested to know what you're doing in Spain. I mean, if he does not already know. Yeah. And uh, But there's one question I wanted to ask as well. Uh, is because obviously, so we, we are passionate about bush flying and it's, let's say, very uh, North American oriented um, and... When did you see or discover that type of flying for the first time? Uh, as you said, we, we have a very old and strong uh, culture of... It's not off-airport, but, but the people who opened the first Altisofas in the Alps, they were doing off-airport because these small strips, they, were, they didn't exist. So they, they opened the first one. 
When did you discover bush flying, like we know it? Um, well, uh, pff, I don't remember. <laughs> you know, it was kind of at the at, when, when you I when, yeah when I bought the Sabas. Uh -huh. uh, I bought the the bush wheel tires. You know, was the first bush wheel tires here in Spain. Uh, you know, so we put the, the tires in our airplane and maybe it was a, one of the first one. Mm -hmm. I mean, with uh, after that, Tom and uh, Fabio, you uh -huh. know, Fabio yeah. Guerra. Yeah. So I put the tires and I start to to do my own thing, you know, my offer for landings. And, and I start to read about and but this was at least a few years. 17 years ago. Yeah, years wow. before Alaska. Uh, years before to, to arrive to Alaska. Uh -huh. And now this is going to be our 11th year in Alaska. Okay. You know, but no, no last one, obviously, about for the COVID stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was... Uh, Our first year in Alaska was 11 years ago, mm -hmm. and at least was five or six years before going there. Before going there. Yes. Ah. But what Arturo tries to say, to explain before, is that doing bush flying is, you know, <clears throat> it's not a thing that one pilot decides to do and the next day is doing bush flying. Mm -mm. A, you need a lot, a lot of experience, a lot of knowledge about mountain flying and how it works, all the local winds. And after a lot of experience, you are able to start to land in some places that are more difficult than others. And that's very, very progressive. Mm. I don't think anyone can become a bush pilot in one year and two years. It's a like kind of a life project. It's a lifetime. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's yeah. like a life, lifetime project. <laughs> But you know, my, my, my question was more uh, for many people, you know, if you've never seen something, th there are a few people who are able to, to replicate or do something what others are already doing without knowing. So, so obviously, like, did you, s like, 15 years ago or something like that, did you already watched or see some videos from, from guys flying, bush flying in North America or somewhere else? Yeah. 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 We read some books and mm -hmm. we watch some videos and, yeah, I was... Uh, eager to learn. <laughs> yeah, I was watching some videos and in this time the YouTube stuff was not like now, mm -hmm. you know. So I was, uh, uh, I bought some uh, videos about uh, mm -hmm. big rocks and long props. Ah, the DVDs. From Greg. <laughs> DVDs. From Greg Miller. Or? From Greg Miller. Yeah. And in this time Greg Miller started with, uh, with Lonnie, ah. with Lonnie Howard Setzer. Yeah. Yeah, I was doing some videos together, and in some point, uh, Lonnie started to do his own thing. Um, and yeah, 
I was be able to to meet Lonnie in Germany, mm-hmm. and this this was the connection mm-hmm. uh, with Alaska for us. Okay. You know? yeah. yeah, like definitely nowadays it's easier to learn and watch stuff on internet. But yeah, like twenty years ago or seventeen years ago, it was a little it, bit different. It was yeah. different, and harder to to learn and to get to know all these things that were happening very far away from you. I I, I totally agree, and that's that's why I ask you because uh, I already told it in a previous podcast. But my first contact to bush flying was at my gliders club, uh, probably in 98, 99. And we had a VHS at the club. I have no idea if it, maybe it was a, a video from Greg. I don't know. I just don't know why it was there, but it was there. And we were able to watch these Super Cubs with 30 inches bush wheels landing on riverbeds in Alaska. And as glider pilots, we were like, what is it? What's that? Is it possible? And uh, yeah. and yeah, so that was the first experience. And then later for me, the second experience is when I really started to search f- for my airplane back in 2014 and I found your pictures, Arturo. And then I was like, wow, what's that airplane? And then I, that's because of your picture. That's the way I found out about the Savage. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> cool. <laughs> 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 but let's come, let, let's come back now to to the start uh, of Alaska. I, I really would like to know. So, so you discovered Alaska, and that's when when did you start to fly to Alaska, and how did that adventure start? Yeah, it was kind of in 2010, and uh, well, I met uh, Lonnie in in Germany. For in uh, in Friedrichshafen in Aero, and we did uh, like a theoretical bush flying training or something like that. Mm-hmm. My airplane, the red one mm-hmm. that you saw in the picture, yes. was in the in the oh, in the show, show. Ah. the booth. Okay, was my airplane. Uh-huh. So I was. Uh, Lonnie want to to test the airplane, so I was flying with Lonnie at in, Tom's Hoover's, at Tom Hoover's <laughs> place. Yeah, cool. Yeah, and this was the connection. And uh, at the beginning, was only the idea to to learn more, you know, about the this type of flying uh, of the country and. And yeah, and as soon as we land, we. We arrived to Alaska. We fall in love with the country and the people, and and yeah, and every summer, <laughs> you know, we spend like uh, around five months per year over there. Wow, five or mm-hmm. five and a half, and flying, taking pictures, mm-hmm. and and learning. You know, it's, as as it's always is the the best part about this uh, about fly or this type of fly this type of flight is you always learn. You know, it's not it's never enough. You always always something to learn and keep you you know awake. Awake, yeah, it's it's amazing. You know. Mm. 
And um, so you were already, both of you, you were already flight instructor in Spain when you first went to Alaska. And so I assume you, you, you got your uh, American PPL directly in Alaska so yeah. with a conversion, I assume, or yeah. foreign license validation, something like this. Yeah, we, we had the validation uh, and a few years later, I passed my commercial over there. Ah, great. Okay. Mm. So, yeah. so you had the plan to, to, to work there also as instructors or as pilots and as no, a photograph? Well, or? The, no, the, the instructor thing is more here in Spain, mm -hmm. you know. It's, it's pretty cool to to fly in Alaska and have uh, a lot of experience over there and try to uh, do training here in Europe mm -hmm. for people, you know, and it's, it's kind of our our goal or so you can call goal or mm -hmm. something. So uh, now, nowadays, we have a lot of uh, a lot of pilots from Europe in in winter time to come came mm -hmm. here and do trainings from the beginning you know the tail dragger uh, training to the top uh, mountain flying bush, bush flying trainings and so I try to explain all the basics mm -hmm. to 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 keep learning with the basic in a safe way mm. you know what I mean? and so, To, to come back to Alaska, so where where are you? Where do you fly mostly? Where are you based, and uh, and what do you do? So um, so I know I know you're you're a very talented photographer. So <laughs> yeah, we have a, a company. Mm -hmm. uh, the name of the company is Chase in Alaska. Mm -hmm. You can check in internet. I will. <laughs> pictures <laughs> yeah, yeah and it's uh, uh, a company to for pictures you know okay so in order to that it's better if you are a commercial pilot because you are gonna do you know you're gonna be working with the airplane too yeah we have a super cup over there okay the, the green one yeah the green machine mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the green machine. <laughs> yeah. But it has a really cool pick. The, the, the paint scheme is really nice. It's The green is really beautiful. It's going to be a little bit different next season. Oh, really? Okay. okay. <laughs> but it's still green. So, oh, good, <laughs> good. Because it's a very nice green. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And uh, so so you mostly use it to, to take pictures. And, mm -hmm. and do you take people with you as well? Uh, yeah, once, yeah, once in a while. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. But yeah, where we are based over there, it's uh, the Wrangles and Elias National Park. Mm -hmm. So, of course, there is no, there is not many ring, uh, runways. And the thing is <laughs> no that <one>. you have <laughs> to land where you can, basically. And many times our glaciers, the glaciers are moving. Sometimes they are moving 25 centimeters per day, sometimes more, even more. And it's all the time changing. So 
if you have landed there in one spot before, that doesn't mean you can land again. Yeah. There is always the need to check again and again if it's suitable for the airplane, if the wind is um, good for landing or not, or I mean, all the factors that uh, you learn in a bush flying course. Um, that's the thing that Arturo says you are always learning because there is never one day that is going to be the same that the other or the landing is always be different and that's what you what it's keeps you best. awake yeah. is the best part <laughs> <laughs> totally agree <laughs> okay and uh, I, I don't remember I've I've read it so did you work or or were in connection already with the Ultima Tule Lodge or or is it okay Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because I remember some time ago. So, so you're still you're still sh shooting pictures for for them, or yeah, or you mm -hmm. have th that business together with them. No, I take pictures for them and for some guests and stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Another and and sometimes for uh, another companies at the at like, the wrangles. Okay. Like yeah. Cool. Cool. And you have uh, mostly, do you have a lot of European people uh, coming there? Uh, or is it very... Once in a while. Mm -hmm. Yeah, once in a while, but it's not... No. Nah, I would say like 80, maybe 80% it's American people. Mm -hmm. And then some, there's countries like South Africa, Arabians, uh, New Zealand or... Australia, right? Singapore. Sometimes from South America too, uh -huh. or Asia. But not many Europeans come there. I know Once some French, what? they <laughs> to go to Canada more. Uh, yeah, yeah. They, they need to speak French. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> And of course, there are very good places in Canada too. Mm -hmm. you know? Have you been flying in Canada as well? Or... Yeah, yeah, we were working for one magazine, for one airplane magazine to do like a, a, a float uh, rating. Ah, okay. So we did like a, an article about one uh, school mm -hmm. in Canada and we spent like uh, one week or 10 days mm -hmm. taking pictures and flying like a student. You know, to uh -huh. to 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 write the article was pretty fun. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. I, I, talking about float ratings, is it something you you do? You have your float ratings and and. Yeah, I passed my float rating in Canada, and Elisa passed the the float rating in Alaska uh -huh. with uh, Don Lee in Talkeetna. Ah, in Talkeetna. Oh, wow, cool. Yeah. Legend, yeah. legendary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's very impressive to be there. Every pilot should go to Alaska to see the operation, mm. even in Lake Hood, just uh, by the interna international airport, is one of the most busiest uh, float bases in the world. Mm -hmm. And also, Talkeetna is pretty cool to go to the airport and see how they operate thousands of people of tourists that fly over Denali and it's amazing how many companies work there and just to sit and watch is 
amazing. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, oof, I have to save up. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 on the target list. It's very high. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I have to fulfill it. Definitely. Yeah. And, and um so your your super cup is on bush wheels. Right. So yeah. so you never thought about and skis yeah and no skis. it's on, on bush wheels and i have a set of, of skis too mm -hmm. but uh, pretty much all the time in 35 bush wheels yeah right, you have 35s on wow yeah yeah have to <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> no i have you know now that i have the 30 ones in the garage i'm sure like as soon as they will be mounted on the plane i will be hmm maybe 35 <laughs> no no <laughs> i don't think no, for the sabas more for the sabas is 31 yeah yeah more than 31 is no, it's too, much. too much i think mm. so too yeah, yeah. I a funny airplane Yeah, yeah, totally agree. <laughs> <laughs> so that's cool. Do should we say something else about Alaska before starting to talk about more specifically about about Spain? Um, or do you want to tell maybe uh, some specific anecdotes you had um, when you started to fly in Alaska? Well, Hi. to fly in Alaska like the like the other pilots over there is a it's a long process yeah you know so you think when you arrive to alaska you think you are a nice pilot or a good pilot you know after all the flying here in europe on the mountain flying and landing in crazy places and stuff and you land there in alaska and say oh my gosh mm -hmm. you know this is this is another world Mm -hmm. It's completely different, you know, and f and for us here in Europe, you know, it's like a, uh, the backcountry flying is something like, a, wow, it's cool, you know, it's something special. But in Alaska, it's nothing special. It's what it is. Yeah, it's what it's they every do. day. Yeah, every day is the same. Mm -hmm. So you know, landing in crazy places. Three people on board the Super Cup, uh, full of gear mm -hmm. and, and crazy conditions, and it's what it is. You know, it's like always. That it's like, like it's always like that. Mm -hmm. So it's you uh, need you need time. You know, you need like at least well with good background of hours. Before you need at least three years or four years doing this to start to learn, and it's that I say before is is the never-ending project. You know, every yeah. year is more learning, more learning, and is and is the best thing mm -hmm. at the same time. But I don't know. Yeah, but here you think you have a lot of experience because you have 9,000 hours flight time and you get there and everyone has more f flight time than you mm -hmm. because they are used to, f I mean, they don't usually drive a car. They always fly a plane mm -hmm. and they have been flying since they 16. are 16 years <laughs> old. I mean, literally all their life. So it's hard to beat and they... Uh, 
the level of the skills of pilot is is very very high, and of course, the f- culture of flying is uh, another another world. Hmm. You can go to the bank and and talk to the lady that works in the bank and say, "Oh, how's the weather? Have you been flying this morning and this and that?" And you know. No one is surprised because you are a pilot or because you fly or because you have an airplane because almost everyone flies an airplane. Mm-hmm. So it's a completely different world. Yeah. In every family is at least at least one airplane. Mm-hmm. At wow. least. Uh-huh. So, yeah. Um, yes. I don't know. The people say that half of the population have the license, the pilot license. Wow. So it's, it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Yeah. yeah. And in summertime, it's amazing, you know, the view around Anchorage is uh, airplanes everywhere all the time, yeah, anytime. Yeah, every uh, time you look at the sky, there is an airplane flying or making noise, always. In, in, in Anchorage. But if Anchorage. you go outside Anchorage, it's airplanes. Mm-hmm. You, know? you need an airplane to, to move. To, from so, one point to the other. And then another thing that, of course, there over there, there are no ultralights because they need very strong and um, very big airplanes and they use the airplane like a car to yep. move stuff or move people. So they don't really use ultralights. And here you in Europe... See, yeah, you can we, see some, but it's not, not it's, normal. It's not normal. No. And here in, in Europe, we use the ultralights just because it's the cheapest way to fly. And, and the best one yeah. here in Europe. You no, have more freedom. More freedom, cheap, less but, noise. Yes. Less, it's super cool to fly an ultra here in Europe. But you don't need to um, use it like your only motion transport. You know, mm-hmm. it's just fun. It's for fun. It's period. like a sport. It's yeah. a completely different concept. Yeah. And uh, very last question. So, so you are mostly flying in Wrangles, and but uh, did you have the possibility to fly around Denali? And because that mountain is like haunting my dreams, and I've read a few books about it, and it's just like. It's 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 uh, yeah very special, the Denali range. Yeah, well, Denali is kind of special for all the books and all the stuff. But when you start to fly in the Wrangles, uh-huh. it's completely different. Ah, okay. You know, the Wrangles is a is a very is a very very special place. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the the mountains, the valleys. The wilderness, the real wilderness, is amazing. You know, around the Nali is a lot of air, air traffic, airplanes around the Nali, touristic flies. Uh, mm-hmm. In the springtime, the uh, expedition for mountaineers, mm-hmm. climbers, and and it's uh, it's it's pretty amazing to see the all the operation in in Talkeetna. It's uh, we spend. One day sitting in in one place, Elisa and I uh-huh. looking, you know, all the movement, all wow. the airplanes, and it was completely, like a- completely amazed. <laughs> yes. But uh, 
Yeah, the theme is that the Wrangles, the Wrangle National Park is the biggest uh, national park in North America. Ah. It's uh, it has 13 million acres. That's seven times Yellowstone. So it's way bigger than Denali. Mm. And it's bigger than Switzerland. It's bigger than Switzerland and <clears throat> some other countries combined. <laughs> and there is nine of the 16 highest peaks in North America. They are in the Grangles. Mm. Uh, even the Grangle is not the highest, but it's an uh, active volcano mm. that is still there. And also, well, the San Elias, it's 5,550 meters, but it's only 16 kilometers from the sea. What gives wow. you the idea of how steep is that mountain? And mm -hmm. then it's the Mount Logan that is six, yeah, more than 6,000 meters. And that's the biggest mountain, the like massive, massive rock mm -hmm. around uh, probably in the world. So, and because it's very, very remote, the, there is only two roads that can take you to the park, mm -hmm. but mostly you need to get there flying. So it's because it has so many glaciers and rivers and you really can, can breathe if you are not on an airplane. Okay. So... That's what makes this place very unique and special because there is no people. It's very, very wild. Remote. Yeah. And remote, <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to we'll have to show that in your pictures and uh yeah. Okay. Great. Um now let's come back to Spain. Because uh, it's uh, yeah, I I've only been once uh, in your country, and I must say it was the uh, it was the very north tip of Spain because I was visiting Nico and Anna in yeah, Ooh. and and uh, in 2019, and um, yeah, I can't wait to be back. So um, how is the uh, how is the ultralight flying in? in Spain or mostly in your in your region and and the rules about what we do and what we like to do so uh, backcountry flying in Spain more or less mm -hmm. <coughs> well um, to fly in ultralight in Spain we have a lot of freedom we can fly almost everywhere except in control areas but we have a very specific Spanish rule that it's pretty crazy that says that we can't not fly over 1,000 feet from the ground. Similar to Italy. Like it. <laughs> perfect. So they are, all perfect. The, <laughs> they are all the time saying they are going to change it because this is against safety, of course. But the thing is that it's still on. And talking about... This uh, is, uh, sorry, <laughs> this is the reason that our, our company, oh, our, yeah. <laughs> our name company is Amil Pies. Ah. Amil Pies means... One thousand yeah, feet. feet. True. <laughs> ah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's why. 
And then talking about bad countries, mm, we can almost land in everywhere if we have the permission of the owner mm -hmm. and we can mm, easily make an airstrip that we call eventual. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that means you cannot land more than 40, cannot handle more than 40 operations per year. Right? Yeah. Or okay. uh, less than 15 in a month. In a month. Mm -hmm. Exactly. But that's a simple way to obtain a kind of a permission to land in one place. So what we do is uh, asking for different permissions in very different places. Mm -hmm. And then we can go there. Of course, we are not going there every single day or every week. You know, oh. we have very many places and mm -hmm. then we decide to go to one place or another and I think this is very good to improve skills and make this bush flying training course that they are always orientated to safety and to explain people well if you have one day uh, to uh, make a emergency landing what would you do right now and right here what you need to take in account and That would help you, of course, one day if you have a problem. So that's the point of all these um, runways or airstrips. Eventual airstrips, mm -hmm. yeah. And um, talking about controlled airspace, so uh, do you have... I, 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 I could look and, at Sky Demon on my phone and... Um, mm -hmm. What about controlled airspace in your region and and also military <laughs> airspace? Is it pretty pretty cool? No problem. Not so much. Yeah. No problem. It's we live in kind of this is our little Alaska oh, yeah. here. <laughs> no control zone, no restriction, no nothing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In it's, fact, it's one of the most impopulated areas of all Spain, ah. and also the oldest. It's very well known because it's very very cold. So that's why it's our cool small Alaska. And, and dry. You oh, know, right. we live kind of high. We, our, our runway is at uh, 3,300 feet. Oh. So, <clears throat> yeah, the, and the conditions is, in wintertime is cold, but it's super nice conditions yeah. normally. So the mm -hmm. density so we, altitude is, is not Yeah, it's super cool, high pressure, no fog. Are, no, it's not a foggy area. Mm -hmm. So it's, uh, I mean, we, we fly pretty much every week, wow. you know, doing trainings and or, or pretty much every day. <laughs> wow. And you fly every day. I don't, Arturo does. <laughs> <laughs> and, But okay. the, cool, the cool part of living here is that there is no people around. It's very, very unpopulated area. Um, probably density in some areas is one uh, inhabitant per kilometer. Oh, so wow. that's like Alaska and some parts of Alaska. Mm -hmm. So it's very nice to to fly and you never disturb anyone because you can fly all over. Of course, that it has its backdrops too. In case you have a problem, yeah. it's hard that someone is going to find you. Yeah, because sometimes roads are very There's not people, yeah. Yeah, true. But, you know, on the other hand, we... Obviously, where I live, there are too many people. But um, even if 
as you know, I, I fly a lot in the, in the mountains in Tyrol and uh, in the Alps. And I think that's a topic we could talk about, about safety. Uh, I'm, I, I really want to have a certain amount of safety gear with me. And uh, like a, a PLB or I don't have an ELT in my airplane, but I, I always wear a PLB on me. And and like almost in summer, I also have a pair of uh, rackets, you know, uh, snowshoes to, to, to walk on the snow. Because if something happens and I'm stuck in the snow at, I don't know, like over 4,000 meters, then I can walk on the snow. And I have the feeling that even even now it's worse because if you you fly at 9,000 feet over the Alps and maybe you fly over some desolated place, you always have network on your phone. And But when you're on the ground, you don't have network anymore. And I have the feeling that more and more people are underestimating the fact that they fly their ultralight plane over the Alps and they think that they are very close to people and I have the feeling they, they forget that they are over very hostile mountains and if something happens they could be very far away from any any people and any, any um, rescue actually. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's in all these areas in the Alps or in the Pyrenees or even in our area, mm. it's nice to have like a eye reach or a spot or any device to stay connected with, you know, I think it's the same here. Mm. We think the same. Yeah. We don't have ELT in our Sabas, mm -hmm. you know, but uh, we have uh, like the spot, yeah. mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. Yeah. Many, very often we don't have any signal on the phone in our region because mm -hmm. it's so. And I, and I use this, and, and I use the spot even to ride my bike, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So. Yeah. yeah I think in a lot of places we don't, we don't have a uh, signal, telephone signal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it's a very important device to have and it's, Nowadays, like you look at the Garmin Inrich, it's so small, it weighs like a few grams, it's it's mm. nothing. Even I have my my uh, PLB is an ACR, you know, at ACR mm -hmm. and uh, mm -hmm. Aqualink, so it's it's uh, waterproof and uh, so and it's it <laughs> looks like a telephone from the 90s, but because it's like you know 20 centimeters yeah. long, it's not that small. But uh, yeah, it does the job, and I mean, I hope I will yeah. never have to use it. But <laughs> yeah, in Alaska, we we use the eye reach. Mm -hmm. But we started to use it yeah. like maybe two or three years ago. Before yeah. that, we used to, and we still do. And of of course, this this sad sad phone. Sad phones. You need it. Yeah. yeah, of course. Yeah, we have a sad phone over there mm. in Alaska, not here in in Europe, but yeah. Okay. And um, mm. so back to Spain and the training you do. So so you make uh, bush flying trainings for for European peoples already flying on ultralights mm -hmm. with your school. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, we we do like a 
from the basic trainings, tail dragger, mm-hmm. uh, bush flying training, mountain flying, this kind of uh, three uh, trainings, you know, tail dragger, mountain flying, bush flying training. And normally the people stay uh, here like uh, for three days, you know. Uh-huh. If the people came from Europe, normally I say four or five days, just in case the weather. But uh, yeah, we have students from in I mean in November, December, January, October, October, mm-hmm. you know, all winter. Yeah. Yeah. And usually, if they want to come to your place. I mean, people not coming directly with there because they are not. I, I assume. Do you have a lot of people like, like me, coming with their airplanes to learn to fly better and fly back country with you? Yeah, some, some. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And for those uh, not coming with their airplanes, look how how are they? How do you? How do they come to your place? So they fly to Zaragoza or, or yeah, Valencia. or Valencia, or Valencia. Zaragoza or Valencia. Zaragoza mm-hmm. yeah. is only one hour driving, and Valencia is one hour and a half. Okay. So and it's a lot of uh, it's more more connected flights from in Valencia mm-hmm. maybe. No? Yeah, or through Madrid or Barcelona, then taking the train, the fast train called mm-hmm. Ave. Mm-hmm. Um, it's only like an hour and a half or something to from the, here yeah. yeah that's good mm. and uh, okay you're of course in summer you're in Alaska but how is how is it in summer at your place as well is it mm, very hot very hot, it's hot. <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's, it's Spain <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know it's, it's hot yeah I mean, last last uh, summer, I was doing a lot of trainings in the Pyrenees too. Mm-hmm. We are not not far from the Pyrenees. It's like a one hour thirty minutes flying from mm-hmm. from the Pyrenees. True. So we have like another base in the Pyrenees. It's a Castejón de Sos. Mm-hmm. It's in the Benasque Valley, close to the Isabena. Isabena. Yeah. Ah, great. Yeah. Yeah, like in the other side of Banyers de Luzon in France. Yeah, okay. And yeah. Perisud and yeah. Pendesulit. There's a lot of altitude face. Yes. Really interesting. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. over there. So, yeah, we have like another second base over there in the Pyrenees. Uh-huh. So we do some trainings there too. Ah, that's also. great. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's the, the Pyrenees, are, uh, it's, they are beautiful. It's uh and they are very special and uh it's uh it's I'm sad that they are so far away, you know, from my place yeah. because they yeah. are very different to to the Alps. It's uh very very, very yeah, exactly. Very, very different. Mm-hmm. And we have a lot of places to go. Really, really interesting. Yeah. You know, yeah, super cool. Yeah. And then another area we we really enjoy uh, when we used to spend summers in in Europe flying is the Massif Central in in France. Ah, really? Near, okay. Yes, near Clermont-Ferrand. Uh-huh. There is an area with a lot of airstrips and areas where you can 
um, land in a like altitude fast uphill and bush flying and many people that flies around with their airplanes that they are very nice to show yeah. you the area and the airstrips around and we it's another very different area but very nice too cool you uh, many places <laughs> did, uh, did you land already in Col du Béal? Col du Béal? Col du Béal. I don't think so. It's uh it's south east of Clermont-Ferrand. And it's mm -hmm. quite remote. It's uh it's an alti surface on top of a plateau. And there's really mm -hmm. nothing all around. And uh it's it's a very beautiful place because in the evening if you're there You have a beautiful view on the on the on the volcanoes on the old ones, and you have the the sunset behind the volcanoes. So if you are lucky, you see, you know, you see the the shadows of the volcano with the sunset in the uh -huh. background, and and Clermont-Ferrand to the northwest. It's a very beautiful place. You should check it out in in the future. Yeah, so, yeah. I will write you again. Yeah, Col du Béal is very mm -hmm. nice. It's more. It's really the north. Uh, it's really north east of of Mas of the Massif Central, mm -hmm. because cool. it's on the other side of the valley. You know, it's on the east side. It's not. It's, mm -hmm. it's really nice. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. We should go together. Yeah, <laughs> and actually, it's uh, there is there is a stall contest in Belmont uh, this year again. They made the first stall contest uh, in. F I, I mean, you maybe you've heard about the uh, Galdez, yeah, yes. stall event in in Gap, mm -hmm. but uh, you know it was more kind of a meeting from um, people from the French Mountain Association and um, the the people from Belmont uh, Airfields. They organized the stall competition last year, and uh, they will do it this year again. But mm -hmm. the thing is, it's third uh, and fourth of July, so I mm. assume. I hope yeah. for you, you will be in Alaska. So too bad I for hope me. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. We start to organize something here in our place, the solo uh, competition to in uh, October. Ah. And we, yeah, we did like, ¿cuántos años? Dos. Three. Or two years. At least three. Two years or three years. Three, three. This is gonna be the fourth. Ah. Uh, it's kind of funny too. Yeah. 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 Well, that's cool. So it's a kind of fly-in and stall competition. A fly-in. Yeah. Yes. We organize uh, like two big events. E events events. Mm -hmm. here in our place. One if is in winter. We call La Polar. Mm -hmm. Polar. And is the normal is the last uh, weekend of January or the first one of February, okay. and it's it's very cold, and and one year was almost 100 airplanes. Wow! In one weekend. That's huge. Yeah. That's that's the only year we had with weather. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> and it's 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 pretty fun. It's all is the is the weekend flying mm. flying weekend, uh -huh. and the stall competition is in October. Normally, is the the last the last weekend of October, mm -hmm. and it's it's only the competition and 
we do some uh, talking and pictures, slideshows of pictures about Alaska That's or nice. whatever, and it's it's kind of fun. Do you have Do you mm -hmm. have uh, mostly Spanish people, or do you have a few uh, European people coming as well? No, right now uh, Spanish people. Mm -hmm. I mean, in the past, But, yeah. because COVID. Well, we had yeah. Hombi, Hombi in the past mm -hmm. and Pascal. Yeah. Uh, Pascal, yeah. Yep. Some friends, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're we then, then we have yeah. to we have to communicate about that and and bring some yeah. some people. Next, yeah, yep. for this this year, we we can do more. Yeah. You no know, advertisement or something in yeah. internet. Yeah, you should. And oh, October is I really like mm -hmm. the October here in Spain is not hot the weather is nice and the light is beautiful mm. yeah then um, the day is still on and mm. yeah yeah then i'm sure i will be able to motivate my my french friends from jura they will yeah. be yeah yeah the jura gang they will be very very interested to to participate i'm sure <laughs> They have beautiful yeah. spots, you know. If you in the future, if you if you want to check it out, I can um, give you mm -hmm. their contact. And uh, they have they have a lot of uh, you know they have people allowing them to land on their fields, and uh, and they have really nice small spots, you know, in mm -hmm. Jura, and um, it's very green and uh, small mountains, really nice. Very friendly people. Good wine and good mm. cheese. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And um, so I wasn't recording, but uh, you talked about the special trip you did some years ago over the UK. And uh, I would love <laughs> to to have you explaining a little bit about that trip. <laughs> because I had that beautiful experience with Hombi over the UK and obviously yeah. you had a similar experience that would be great well that was a long time ago because it was 2010 wow okay. I think we were 10 airplanes coming from or 9 airplanes coming from Spain kind of fast airplanes and then we met uh, our friend Deepak Mahahan uh -huh. Uh -huh. that as a flight school in near London. And then we were flying with him all over Scotland. We went all the way to Orkney Islands and, well, Edinburgh. We'd land in Edinburgh International mm -hmm. Airport and Daxford. And we went to the museum. And then we went all the way to the Orkney Island that we land in a very small island, very remote. And there was a guy with a very old... Mm, photo machine camera mm -hmm. trying to take pictures with you know with the old days with the film, film like you know like 20 years ago i still shoot on films <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i love it uh, that yeah. guy said he hadn't seen any airplane in the island in in years wow um i think that was was july I think, was yeah, July. I think it was July. Yeah. And then we went to Glenforsa and we went cool. down the other side of the island all the way down. And we finally met, I don't remember the name of the airfield, but it was kind of a 
UK right. tour. Mm-hmm. So for everyone ultralights. for ultralights and everyone was doing kind of his own tour because oh. the weather is usually so bad that they don't like to concentrate many people in the same airplane, mm-hmm. in the same place. And they, they couldn't believe the, the spectacular weather we had and how lucky we were to went <laughs> to all these places because they <laughs> couldn't go in years. And then they were like, wow, you're coming from Spain and you have been in all these places. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. We had exactly the same experience. It's like exactly the same like you know like with Hombi we were flying like from day to day and then the weather was always better like <laughs> and then so so yeah and be behind you know we flew to the north and then one day later the 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 place we've been it was raining but we always had sun <laughs> it was crazy so yeah when we were in Scotland the whole rest of of UK was like rainy and but in Scotland it was sunny so <laughs> just yeah, but we have a very very good experience and we were amazed with the controls um, the traffic controllers they were especially nice over there ah yeah very yeah. very nice always helping and even i found the the food was not as bad as we are told the english yeah. food <laughs> it was good food even in scotland and very nice we had very nice experience mm. yeah I totally agree. The food is is really great. Mm-hmm. Did you try haggis? You know? Of course. Yeah, cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm porridge. <laughs> uh, awesome. <laughs> well, that's a good experience. Yeah. Okay. Great, great, great. So now we are uh, heading towards the uh, infamous Bolter questionnaire. So I have to ask you my my quick questions. So quick questions and and quick answers. So, okay. um, yeah, the first one is very easy. I'm sure it's tail dragger or nose dragger. What you prefer to fly? <laughs> tail dragger. <laughs> <It's weird>. <laughs> <laughs> For you too, Elisa, I assume. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. What's the favorite plane you've flown so far? What's your favorite? Favorite? The favorite? Your favorite airplane you have flown? Uh, I mean, I don't have a favorite airplane. You know, I. I like all <laughs> airplanes. That's cool. You know, good answer. Every airplane is. Yeah, every airplane has his own cool stuff, mm-hmm. even if it's a f- uh, fast airplane, you know. Mm-hmm. When you fly one fast airplane or like uh, one Cessna or uh, it's faster, but it's cool. And you land in another, uh, in a super cab and it's amazing. And you land in a Sabas and it's great, <laughs> it's great mm-hmm. you know. Every airplane has his his own thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't have a favorite airplane. We like to say that airplanes are like cars. Depending on what you are doing, it's best one car or another. This could be the same. If you want to fly over Europe, maybe a fast airplane. And we flow, have flown the city mm-hmm. many years and many times. And it's a very incredible airplane to fly long distance. 
And we, of course, we love the Savage, but we like the Super Cup. And we also like to fly very light uh, trikes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Still today? It's hard to decide. You, you only need a, a big hunger. <laughs> to, to yeah, <laughs> I think it's the biggest to problem. The Taking all the airplanes. Yeah, yeah. You know, but it's, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, now the, you have a really interesting airplanes like the Northern, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of a mix between a, a fast airplane and a slow airplane. And, but yeah, even, even if you have a Northern, it's cool to have a shock, you know, yeah, or so a, a different one. I don't know. Mm. Yeah. yeah, you've been flying it recently, right? The Norden. You tried. Sorry? You tried the Norden last year. Yeah, 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 yeah. This, this, this year. Wow. Wow. A few this year? months, a ago. Few months yeah. ago. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and completely yeah, different very, to the shock. Yeah, yeah, I flew uh, both the same day, the shock and the northern. Uh, yeah, pretty, pretty amazing performance. You know, I want to keep flying more the airplane. You know, to try to, you know, <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, it's gonna be a really, a really, really interesting airplane. Yeah, I think yeah. so too. Yeah, yeah. There are many in construction right now, so uh, so in the near future yeah. we will see uh, many in the air. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. 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 Pretty sure. So now, uh, third question: bush wheels, skis, or floats? What's your favorite? Bush skid or I can say bush wheel, but the the ski flying is uh, is is pretty cool too. Yeah. You know, but yeah, if I can say only one, mm-hmm. maybe bush. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you, Elisa? Um, I think <laughs> floats I like very much, ah. although you are, really, you are very limited sometimes. Mm-hmm. Alaska has three million lakes and that's not really a problem, but in Spain and especially where we live it would be, or in Europe in, in general, would be a kind of a problem because for their rules. More than, yeah. And then it's not so easy to find places to land and the regulations in that sense are hard because you are not allowed to land in one place or in one lake and then land in a different one. You should like clean everything before landing in another lake because you can go with stuff, you know, like insects or bags or something and carry them from one lake to another ah, okay. so that's why it's not easy okay because I, besides- I wanted to ask you the regulation in spain about float flying and so so there 
So you're not you're not allowed to start from la one lake and then land on another lake because of the risk to bring. If it's a different area, if, if different yeah. area or yeah. different rivers connected, uh huh, then it's kind of crazy. Rules. But it's the same with the oh. with boats. Okay. Okay. It's, yeah. It would be the same with boats. You so have to that's clean why the boat. Yes. If you go to different waters or rivers. So it's very hard to to operate with floats in Spain. Wow, I didn't know about that. It's 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 so interesting. There are so many different rules in Europe. It's it's <laughs> nuts. Yeah. It's nuts. It's so crazy because you look at all our friends from Scandinavia, especially in Sweden, like it's the same as in Canada. They can land on every lake. In in Norway as well, they can land on every lake as soon as they are bigger than two kilometers and nobody cares. Almost. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's strange. I mean, I totally well, underst yeah. I understand the concerns they ha you have in Spain because uh, invasive species are a big problem. Uh, if you bring one species from one ecosystem to the other one, it might completely unbalance the, ne the other one. But that's mm -hmm. very that's very special because I mean they are not uh, on a float plane or a boat. At the end, yeah, only if I may say, you're only talking about insects, but yeah, they are the most common organism. That's yeah, okay, <laughs> yeah. And uh, I actually didn't ask. What about landing on riverbeds in Spain? Or next to the river, next to a river. No, tricky. No, it's not. It, no, it's not. Uh, it's not legal. It's not legal. You know. Mm. Yeah. So you need the the permit of the owner of the land, and the rivers are from the state. Uh, state. But every river different thing. So it's not really legal. Okay. Yeah. Not so easy, like in other countries. No, right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so next question: um, mountain or gravel bar landing? Mountain landings or gravel Mo bar landings? Mountain. Mm -hmm. mm. Yes, too? mountain. Mountain. Yeah. <laughs> um. Do you, did you have, because you already said you broke several stuff, uh, do you have a specific mishap um, you would like to to share? So a mishap, something hap specific that happened or broke in the backcountry, like a special anecdote? Well... <laughs> Uh, when I, when, and this was in Oof. 2000, I think, yeah. ah. was 21 years ago, when I, I did a, a training in the Alps with my, with uh, trike, and I put, uh, when I came here, I put the uh, three snowboards in my trike. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> and, and a special system 
but was not very special. <laughs> <laughs> with with the small tires, you know, yeah. and one system with one axle, uh -huh. so you can remove the tires. You, so you you land on the snow and you remove all the stuff and you can operate on the snow and if you want to come back to down to the grass uh, or gravel you need to put all again all together you know mm -hmm. so i did my first landing and was not really good was good enough but in the takeoff i had a problem in the takeoff uh, so i crash the trike and oh. we have one uh, one slope that we call the 6,000 euros mountain <laughs> that is <laughs> cost me 6,000 6, oh. <laughs> euros to repair the trike <laughs> yeah. and you that, know and, and yeah was a I, I need to uh, helicopter to recover the trike. Oh, wow. And I was walking like... 20 hours. Uh, plenty, uh, six hours or something like that to go down to the closest village. Mm -hmm. So it was a kind of uh, adventure. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, that's that was before we knew about a good company that make... No, but this, this was with the trike. Yeah, yeah, before. Yeah. No. Then we bought skis for the Savage, of course. We knew the lesson, and it's better to buy something that is always expensive but has been tested before, mm -hmm. and you are not making mistakes. Mistakes. Yeah. Or experiment. Yeah. Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, you're using it. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, mm -hmm. I'm glad that, uh, let's say, the, the the biggest or the only biggest mishap you had is already 20 years, was already 20 years ago. So you didn't have another one with the Super Cub in Alaska or or with the Savage here. Well, it's, uh, you know, when you stay, when you fly almost... I can say almost 1,000 hours per year. Wow. When you fly pretty much every day, you know, sometimes you have some some mistakes or some problems, you know, but it's... And the material are, is not... Are, but this was not uh, not the crazy stuff, you know, maybe a prop or... Uh, Something you know, some rocks in the tail, with holes in the fabric, or but this is the normal, normal, some, some normal tubes. thing. Duct you know, tape. This what duct, it is. Duct tape. Yeah. Duct tape. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe a tube has been bent or something, but not really big things. Yeah. Though I can't remember one adventure in Spain. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> I remember. Uh, one day you were bringing a brand new airplane. Oh yeah. <laughs> so he Arturo was flying from another airbase, maybe uh, an hour and a half or two hours uh, flight. So you know, I come home back home. It was maybe February, and it's getting dark by six o'clock or something. So I 
got home around six. Arturo is not here. The airplane is not here. I call him. There is no signal. Mm, very bad. Oh. So, so he decided, you know, we, we always tell our students everything you need to carry in your airplane, right? Like safety and a blanket, emergency blanket, some food. And a spot. A spot, this phone, sad phone, this and all that. Well, some, some tools. Because he, <laughs> tools, yeah. So, you know, he was just arriving home and he didn't have all these things with him because everything was here at home. No, but it was a brand new airplane, yes, and, I, airplane. And, and we put all the, all the airplane together. together in another place in Zaragoza. Mm -hmm. You know, yes, so I, I put all together and I do uh, like a one hour test and, and I say okay I, I, good, to go. good to go back home but before landing here in our base he decided to make a bush fly landing ah. somewhere else to take a picture <laughs> yeah. so I don't know what happened but when he he was sitting on the airplane to restart the airplane yeah. the key didn't move didn't work oh so it was getting late and getting dark it was out of reach. And by the airplane don't want to start. Yeah. And yeah, so Arturo had to leave the airplane there. And because it was late, he decided to start to walk to the next uh, village that, of course, is, is not, is not close. It's a couple, two couple, couple, couple hours walking to wow. the next village. Hours. So once he arrived there, yes. We, I told you, we live mm -hmm. in a very unpopular area. Yeah. So when we he, he got there, he phoned and he said, hey, I'm fine. This is what happened. So I went with a friend to get him and it was starting to, to snow. It was a very bad storm, snowstorm. And we went there with, uh, you know, with ropes and stuff to tie down the airplane, and put a cover around. And well, we left the airplane there, and the following day we arrived there, and it was like a f one inch uh, thick ice all, 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 all over the airplane. The wow! Like it was a brand new, a brand new airplane, oh. brand new. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. It was such a mess. It took us hours to clean the airplane and to untie the ropes and everything. And then, you know, it was starting, the weather, it wasn't very good. Kind so it yeah. started to, to, some clouds to, to close down. And so he, and, and then it was funny because he tried to, the switch and the key worked completely perfect. No, yeah. Not a problem. It was nothing wrong. I don't know. Very, very strange. So, well, the cases he, he take out, took off in, in a rush and I, still there with my dog and the car and when I got to the car like 30 minutes later I realized Arturo has the keys uh, and he went away <laughs> your house so key. I had to to stand there like oh. a couple more hours in the cold in the snow oh, no. without getting being able to get in the car with my dog and <laughs> waiting for Arturo At to come back the car with another keys. car <laughs> Are the car keys I thought I thought you had <laughs> <laughs> it's worse. Oh. <laughs> so, okay. That was quite an adventure. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. At least you had your dog. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, it was a funny one. But that's a good one. Yep. Yeah, I mean, for for you, yeah. but not for Elisa. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's perfect. <laughs> uh, so, last last two questions. I have to ask you what what would be your dream airplane to to fly in the backcountry or in the mountains? Like one maybe one airplane you didn't have the possibility to fly yet. Which which dream bush plane you would like to try and didn't have the possibility mm. to try yet? No, no, I don't know. No? Not really. Not really. No. No. Mm. no. I flew in a lot of airplanes, I don't know. I flew on uh, Beaver. Other uh, Beavers. And 180, 180, 180, 185. The cool airplanes for for this kind of stuff, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no. I have a, a friend that has a 170 uh -huh. and I would like to buy it. He lives in Yellowstone in Montana. Uh -huh. And I'm also eager to fly the Northern. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe when Northern will come to Teruel soon. Yeah. Know. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> maybe. <laughs> <laughs> that would be nice. Yeah, well, I... I, I will let you. Yeah. Yeah, that would be nice. That yeah. would be a very nice present for my birthday in a couple Ooh. months. <laughs> yeah, look. Easy. I knew it. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, but look, Arturo, last time you were asking me, so oh, I don't know what I can offer to Elisa for her birthday. No. <laughs> very easy. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> well, It's not for me, it's for Elisa. <laughs> <laughs> now talking about uh, well talking about cool planes i have to ask you something uh arturo because it's the the last picture you published on your instagram and i directly recognize that airplane because it really looks like the side-by-side -side double now mono ender mm -hmm. yeah the okay. as ascender so how what's the name now? Because it has only one. It has one engine now. It's the one. Yeah. It's the airplane yeah. from Alec. The first one, the the two engines was the double ender. Yeah. And the with one engine is the as, ascend, ascender. 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 Okay. Is the name of this? Is okay. the name of this airplane? Okay. And so you had because I, I've seen pictures you took from these both airplanes. So. I'm so mm -hmm. you know that airplane is a bit like a myth. I'm 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 a very big fan of what Zane Jacobson is doing for backcountrypilot.org and he made that very beautiful video of the doppelender. I think it's already now 4 years ago. So mm -hmm. uh I've read that the doppelender was a little bit damaged or Alec had some problems with the uh the rear engine and then he bo he built the ascender so the ascender is uh, flying regularly? No, no. Well, no. Mm, the double ender was uh, one project, and the other one is a different project. Okay. 
you know, but uh, I think it was not uh, any problem with the double lender, mm -hmm. you know, was what we do as far as uh, we know is was the last time that came to Alaska came with uh, two engines, two Rotax engines, mm -hmm. modify, you know, with a big bore and injecting system and stuff was kind of 130 horsepower per each engine, engine uh -huh. per engine, something like that, 130 or 135, I don't know. I don't remember exactly, but uh, pretty cool airplane. Yeah. Pretty amazing, mm. you know, performance and the concept, you know, the like a helicopter cockpit yes. with the visibility. It's, an, it's insane. Yeah. It's super cool. And yeah, with all this uh, experience, build the other one with only one engine, mm -hmm. a big one, a big uh, engine. And it was four seats. Ah, okay. It's four seats. Four seats. Huge uh, uh, cockpit, you know, and... And the same, amazing performance. But uh, yeah, was one uh, problem with the engine. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Have an engine failure, and uh, and f and finished in a lake, but recovered oh. the airplane and was not uh, any damage for and the pilot or anything. Okay, I wanted to ask. So, yeah, yeah. When flew from uh, from Alaska to the lower forty eight. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. Yeah, in okay. the in the trip. Okay. Mm. So the airplane. But it was perfectly. Yeah, but was perfectly prepared. You know, was mm. with a dry bag, with sat phone, with some uh -huh. food, and and as soon as uh, land on the on the water on the uh, river close to the side, side mm -hmm. as soon as uh, flip over, go uh -huh. outside, change the clothes, and make a phone call and boom oh, and good. yeah it was yeah perfect okay was a super very good job for the pilot yeah, oh, amazing was it yeah was it uh, was it alec the uh the yeah the phone? okay mm -hmm. okay yeah i think um i think i asked Hombi some years ago and uh but alec is a s originally a swiss guy as well right something yeah. like that I don't, he's know. Your... I don't know. Okay, no, yeah, no matter. Yeah, never mind. Yeah, no problem. So, mm. but that that airplane mm. has been rebuilt and is still flying, or I don't know. You don't know? Maybe. Yeah, probably. Yeah. But I'm. I don't have any news. Okay, that would be cool this. to yeah. see it right. flying again. Yeah, because the mm -hmm. the safety concept of, like you said, that almost helicopter cockpit is very very interesting yeah i'm sure it's uh mm -hmm. for what we do it's it's i mean not only what we do but it's it's great right yeah yeah so and now the very last question because uh, we're starting to get tired <laughs> <laughs> so i have to ask you what what uh would be your dream location to fly a place where you have not been yet and where you would love to fly back country? Hmm. 
Well, right now we both would love to go back to Alaska as soon as <laughs> possible. <laughs> I know Obviously. Are about there. But I think it would be very nice to fly in New Zealand. I always wanted to fly there. Yeah. Because yeah. many people say the countryside and the landscape is very similar in a way to Alaska, but smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, I really would like to go there. And mm-hmm. also Iceland, to Iceland. Yeah. Iceland. Yeah. Mm, Iceland. Iceland. This is yeah. A, yeah. This is a trip we should organize one day. So mm. with with friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah. We should mm. do that. That's uh, that would be great. Yeah, would be great. Mm. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Elisa Arturo, thank you so much. I would like to thank you too, Maxime, because you are doing a great job uh, talking about bush flying and back getting country, to yeah. to know this backcountry flying through all the pilot and flying community. Mm. And I think that's a great job you are doing. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. Thank you. <laughs> and I really, really cross my fingers and really hope you will be able to fly back to Alaska soon this year. And uh, it's the same mm-hmm. for all our friends, for Craig Lang in South Africa, that he will be able to to make his safaris again. Uh, I hope you'll be you'll meet him one day there as well. Uh, I don't know. I didn't ask you if you mm-hmm. did it already, but you should do because it's so great to fly there as well. And, um, yeah. and I can't wait to see you again personally. So, so mm-hmm. this year not in Alaska, but I really hope in in October in in uh, Teruel that would be great. Yeah, perfect, yeah. perfect. We wait for you. Yeah, we'll thank wait. you. <laughs> Take care. Bye. See you. Bye bye. That's a wrap. The awaited episode, definitely for me, with Arturo and Elisa is out. I really hope you enjoyed it. And as they explain in the podcast, they run a pretty unique flight school in Europe. So as soon as they will be back from Alaska in fall this year, and if you want to learn to fly a tail dragger or even better if you want to learn bush flying in a beautiful country then head to their website i will write all the descriptions on the episode description on our tsc website as well plus pictures from arturo videos and several link but now a quick glimpse in the next podcast and that one is a long-awaited one as well because we will head to Italy and I will fly to our next guest's place and record the podcast live with him. It's a pretty special one as well and I really, really mean it. So as special as Arturo and Elisa, definitely. So um, take care train spring is coming and yeah we keep in touch bye well 
Yeah, it's too much. <laughs> no, well, it's it's overpeaking my. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, yeah. Huh?